This is the MFG Cast. This month's sponsor is BattleBards. In a world where your dungeon mastering is terrible. And the elf shoots you for 2d8 damage. Flip, flip. Wipe it up with a DM who can't do sound effects worth a crap when you can get the great quality of BattleBards sound effects, music, and audio. Not that one. Alta Michela Orco. Marathon Dracrim. Why get this? I'm talking like a dragon. When you can get this. Goldasic. Bikil Samev. Shotleg Nomeno. Munthrek Sariopskile. Pre-order now so you can get what you've been hearing and more. For just $25, you can get the Lyric, which is $25 to spend on BattleBuds audio, the soundboard with local track support and sync mode, plus and stretch goal one bonus. That's two audio packs free. Also, you can get the Mock Epic. For only $150, you get $150 plus $18. That's a 12% bonus to spend on BattleBots audio. The soundboard with local track support and sync mode. The mixer to create custom audio scenes with ease. BattleBots cloud upgrade. 18 months, 10 gigabyte storage to store on your own audio. Prototype soundboard app, standalone app to organize and mix your own audio. And stretch goals one through five. That's 10 audio packs for free. Go to BattleBards.com to get your pre-order in before November, or we're going to find you. Hey guys, Kurt here. Unfortunately, I'm by myself. Mike is on assignment. He is at a chocolate factory looking for some small acquisitions, if you get my meaning. But I am not alone. Um, I have another great guest for another great interview. His name is Aram Varden from God's Fall, a great D&D 5th edition podcast that has the great Battle Bards music infused in it. It's got great characters, and of course, it's got our great jam, Aram. Aram, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. All right. So, 
If you haven't listened to our interviews before, what we'd like to do is before we get into the, all the bullshit of asking you about what you do and what your thing is all about, we'd like to kind of find out where you come from as far as games and stuff go. We'd like to go, basically, it's called through the years, basically what yeah. we do. So we'd like to take from when you were a small child or even if you started late, late in life and then how you've come up to where you've got this great podcast now. So if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Uh, well, I started with uh, the Red Box. Uh, I was I had a babysitter who was looking to occupy my brother and I, and he played, and he brought it over one day, and I was hooked instantly, <laughs> absolutely instantly. And then the the very next thing I did was um, oh jeez, shoot! Now I'm trying to think of it. It's the one where you're in a mansion, all the characters go to sleep and then wake up in the uh, Castle Amber. Oh, okay. have you played that one? Yeah. I have not. So, I've heard. I've heard it's great though. Uh, it's well, it's crazy and wacky and yeah. kind of makes no sense whatsoever. But <laughs> I was eight, so it did not matter. I was hooked. <laughs> and then I played D and D a little bit uh, when I was younger. But when I got into my teens, I really started into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But it wasn't really until three point five that I started writing, and that was the same time that I started playing riffs and I started playing D twenty modern, and I just started hitting a lot of different things: uh, vampire, the masquerade, mm-hmm. hunter. I just tried to, and that's what really got me into the storytelling aspect. Once I, once I realized that, that I wanted to write and I wanted to make characters and play with the mechanics, when I learned D and D, once I got vampire, though, I was like, oh, I want to tell stories and weave long, intricate tales and write threads for everyone, and then that kind of took me like right back to now where the 5e rules came out and that kind of gave me the structure that i felt comfortable running because i'm not great on rules and 5e was a little lighter on the rules so that gave me the backbone that i felt safe uh trying to be uh, a dungeon master and running the podcast Ah, perfect okay so what made you decide to all of a sudden just you know do your own podcast do your own D &D thing and you know put this Thing, for lack of a better term, on wax or whatever? Well, uh, I think I'd had the story for a couple years, but I never thought about making it a podcast. And still, I knew that the 5e rules were coming out, and I saw that there were all these podcasts, and and I figured it'd be a great way to learn the rules. And it was, but I felt like they could be tighter edited. I felt that we could have a you know a clear sense of when the rules were right and wrong, because some of them were getting it wrong as they were going but no one was indicating when it was right and wrong and i thought i know i can streamline this because if i was filming it because i do a videography for a living i knew i could make it work and i saw uh, the note guys do that the video series they did and i heard some other podcasts like dungeon masters a block and max's minions that were better edited and i thought that i could just do it so really it was just because i wanted to see if i could nice nice okay now, so so Why first... does anyone do anything, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I like, you know, this popped up into my head because I kind of thought of it as when we started our podcast. So is it a thing where you, you know, did you do your research? Did you, you know, were like, okay, this is how I want it to go and this is how it's going to go every week? Or is it something that you're like, well, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to pop myself into it and I'm going to, you know, kind of roll with the punches, so to say. I had a pretty good sense of the story I wanted to tell, and I had a pretty good idea about how I was going to about recording it and telling it. The only part I didn't know is, you know, what was going to happen when I added people, mm-hmm. and so that was that was interesting. But I kind of had I kind of pretty good idea of what I wanted to do. So I I would say that I jumped into it, but I've been editing for eight years, so I knew what mm-hmm. to expect and I knew some of the pitfalls to avoid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect. 
Okay, well, before I get into any more questions, most of the people that are listening to this podcast probably know who you are and what this podcast, you know, what this roleplay actually is. But why don't you tell just a little synopsis of what the God's Fall story is all about? Sure. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a typical kind of, you know, 14th century setting that had been very affected by magic. Uh, one of the things that I found frustrating with a lot of D&D worlds is that there'll be all this magic, but nothing changes. The technology level doesn't change. It doesn't affect their daily lives. It doesn't affect their communities and how they were raised. It's just there are gods, there are magic, but everything's exactly the same. And so I decided I wanted to change that. So I wrote my own world. I had gods. I blew up the gods. I blew up magic. And I started the players out in this world that used to have magic. So that there were some artif- some you know big, powerful artifacts left over, like the whole city of Ani. But for the most point, they were going to be the first really magical things emerging in this post-magical world. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a way to make magic a commodity and control it, but also make it very special. And I felt that that's sometimes missing from a lot of D&D games, when people can just go to Silvery Moon and look and look in the DMG like it's a shopping list. <laughs> you know, I have this much gold, I'm going to buy this, how can I haggle it? And then that just kills it for me. So I, I wanted to kind of avoid that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great idea. I, lo- I like trying to get players involved in where they're going instead of just being like, okay, you're very, you know, you're very powerful. Now what do you do? And most people, they, you know, unless they're really, really good players, they're not going to be able to play that well. And then sometimes, you know, they kind of do things maybe the wrong way because they're that way. They also need a real world to bounce off of. The world Mm -hmm. has to feel authentic and living and breathing so they have something to play off of. Mm -hmm. For sure. So you say that it took you, you had this this God's Fall thing in your head for a couple of years. How long did that actually take you to come up with as far as like the story and the bare bones kind of part of it? I would say just like like ideas came to me over a couple of years, but when I really sat down to write it, it took about nine months okay. to really outline the arc and really write down heavily the fir- how I thought the first five or six games were going to go. And that was a little easy because I opened the, the game with one-on-one preludes with each character so that the characters who were playing it could get comfortable with the idea of being that character and also so we could ex- you know, explore their backgrounds more in depth so the audience would understand who they were. Okay, gotcha. So when you're doing this writing, is it something that's super lengthy? Is it something that you write down maybe keywords and you're like, okay, well then I'll go from there depending upon where our players go. Where do you go? How does that come about? When I make world maps... That sparks all of my ideas about what I'm doing. When I can see how the countries lay out, what natural resources they have, how close they are to each other, then I can start thinking, well, they'd relate to each other this way. And then that starts to birth NPCs. And I'm thinking, okay, well, they have this much power and they have this this much control over these resources. And honestly, that's probably the majority of my writing. Once I know the characters and know their general arcs, I know where they're going to go. I know what they're going to do. And until they bump into something the players have done or until the players themselves or someone else does something and they arc off of that, I don't have to worry about them. I know that they're going to be kind of on this track unless something else happens. So that's how I write. Okay. And, it, and it allows it to be really flexible so I can write a lot and nothing gets messed up. They just you know have other plans. Yep, perfect. So are you one of those GMs that when something is not quite going the right way, 
Do you try to steer them back, or do you just say, you know what, let's roll with this, let's see where this goes, and then maybe eventually I'll get them back to where they need to be? If I feel, I'll let them wander. I'll let them wander and do what they want to uh, do. We spent uh, two days, two whole gaming sessions at a turtle festival that I had no plan on writing, that I basically just like, uh, they were like, what is this town? I was like, it's a, you know, a turtle day, and they have a turtle uh, festival and they went what and then that was two games so you, you know you never know you just roll with it but if I feel like they've gotten too stuck I'll sometimes throw out you know an NPC or they'll bump into something or there'll be an idea because they're all connected with the gods it's really easy to send them visions so there's you know I have methods I can keep them on track without it breaking the reality of the story mm-hmm. but honestly I mean they seem to find enough trouble on their own <laughs> Yeah, it seems like players seem to do that no matter what you do. So, yeah. But it's always it's always for a good story. So, with these characters that you have, or with these people that you have that play your characters, are you know this is kind of I know this may be this may seem like a dumb question, but are these all friends of yours? People you know, friends of friends? How did you get these guys all together? Doug is my roommate who plays Doro. Michael, who plays Zion, I've been in a multitude of games with and known since high school. In fact, he ran he ran the last uh, vampire game that we ran right before this one. Kelly, I've known as a friend, but she's never played a single role-playing game before she did this one. This was her first time ever. Mm-hmm. And then Steven, we just found, because we needed one more, so we tossed an open call out, and he responded. So wow. that worked out. So it's a little bit of old, you know, old and new, old gamers and new. You know? oh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I did it on purpose. I I wanted that mix because I didn't want people – because the one thing that Kay really brings to the table is that she pushes back mm -hmm. in a way that the other players don't because they don't – she doesn't doesn't expect to know, right? Mm -hmm. So the other players, because they've been doing this a lot, they have these ideas where they should ask questions and where they shouldn't and she has none of that. Mm -hmm. So she'll push past that or she'll challenge me in ways that they won't. So it really helps me a lot actually. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea because a lot of times you'll get, you know, get those group of friends where, you know, as as much as we'd like to get them in other spots where we know they're going to do a different way of thinking and a different way of going about stuff, a lot of times we all have certain personalities where it's, it's basically the same route. You know, I mean, it may be a different character, but you know, they might—they pretty much are going to end up the same way for the most part. Right? They'll still think the same. Yeah. And if you get stuck in those patterns, if there's not some new ideas, it can bog the game down. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Wow. I had lots of questions going through my head, and now I'm now I'm trying to think of what else I can ask you. Take your time, my friend. <laughs> so now, apparently, you guys have gotten really popular. So. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> So now when this kind of stuff happens, do you think to yourself, okay, do I have to step up my game? Do I have to do more? What What is your mindset when, when something like this happens and you're like, oh shit, this is, you know, of course you want people to listen to it and you want it to be great. But when it comes to a point where you know that, you know, many different ears are going to be week from week, week to week or expecting that. You know, how do you how do you try to appease that or, you know, is there a mindset where you're like, oh, no, what do I do now? Well, I certainly want to make the audience happy, but I've also stated pretty clearly that my responsibility is to the people around my table first. Mm -hmm. So that's that 
authentic story that I'm trying to tell at them, <laughs> that is paramount. And people may not like certain things I do. I mean, they, when enough people are listening, there's going to be people who push back against certain things. I don't really try and take too much of that into account. Constructive criticism, I love, but I've got a pretty clear idea of where I want the story to go. So the real things that I'm changing is that I'm investing more in equipment. I'm trying to get everyone wirelessly lab because we tend to move around a lot. So I'm adding higher technical levels. And then I'm just trying to, uh, I'm just, I'm just, oh, it's the schedule. That's the hardest part. <laughs> I didn't think anyone was going to listen. So I thought I could just casually put some of these out and then it would just kind of build. And now it's like, no, they're there. And if I don't get that thing out weekly and I've built in breaks because they know that this comes in seasons, I don't have a choice, but if that thing doesn't come out weekly, man, they will be on me. <laughs> so that was the newest thing. I know. It's so funny because, you know, it's one of those things too, where um, I don't know how people weekly do it. We're a monthly podcast, but we do come out with in interviews here and there and then little other things like role plays that we do and stuff like that but man it just you know it it, you know people don't realize you know when you're doing this kind of stuff that you have a life other people have lives you know you've got unexpected stuff that comes up you could be sick and it's like geez you know is there anything else that you know could really be you know on that and you know for the most part most of these most of the people that are doing these podcasts are losing money because you're buying Absolutely. You're buying all this, yeah. you know, all this equipment for this. You're, you know, you're you're sacrificing your time, you're mixing your schedules and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's just crazy all the stuff that goes into, you know, trying to come up with something on a schedule. Yeah, and I'm putting between 15 to 20 hours of editing into each episode and we're knocking it out weekly. Yeah. So, and I am like literally on each episode. I don't have any built-in time whatsoever like i I will get that thing done Mm -hmm. sunday morning and then it'll go out so i'm gonna build in a little bit there's there's gonna be a two-month break after season one Mm -hmm. where we write a lot for season two and get a lot of other things prepped including the world book that we're working on and then one of our characters is gonna jump into some other podcasts oh wow because yeah because uh at the end of season i don't want to really reveal too much but (laughs) doro uh his power is going to spike at some point and he's going to leave our temporal reality and then he's going to a la sliders jump into (laughs) a couple other podcasts of people that we know so he'll spend an episode there then pop out in the end pop out into this one and then eventually make his way back home to our reality for season two that is awesome I'm that, excited. It's that, gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's something you don't see in roleplay podcast anymore. Or anymore. What am I saying? You don't ever see that. So it's interesting. In those old ones in the nineteen thirties? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> that yeah. was just radio. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and this is kind of you know, kind of basically uh you know, basically radio, you know, for the most part. You know, it's just a little more technical. But yeah, yeah. that's a that's amazing. I love that idea. Hopefully it'll work. I mean, I've, I've been selling it an awful lot, so hopefully it'll. Hopefully the whole thing will pay off. I yeah. think it will. Yeah, no kidding. Hopefully you don't have to retcon somebody trying to kill him off or something like that. You know. Oh, I, I got I got eventualities planned. Don't worry. I thought I thought a lot about this before I was willing to give him away. Yeah, you no know? kidding. He's the fan favorite. I can't mess this yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Plus you're dealing with God, so they can do anything you know to bring him back. So. Or, there is, you know. No, actually, all joking aside, the fact that they are connected to the gods does give me a little bit of leeway with death, and I've planned some things. It hasn't happened yet, but mm-hmm. should any of the characters die, uh, because they are connected to the gods, death works slightly differently. So that'll yeah, be yeah. fun when it eventually happens. Yep, that's always good. Okay, so I'm going to go back a little bit to the sure. to the hours of editing. 
Why do this to yourself, man? I mean, seriously. I'm obsessed. I'm just obsessed. I mean, I, once I set my mind on something, and I, it has to be as good as I can make it, and then it has to get better each week. And as long as that keeps happening, I will put away the the time. I think I would do it just for me. Even if I didn't have an audience, I love it so much. I'm enjoying this game so much, and I'm enjoying telling the story and then recrafting it for an audience so much that I think I would just do it for me. But the fact that there's an audience is unbelievable and energizing. And every time there's a tweet or an iTunes review or anything, it's just lifting. So, I mean, that, honestly, I think that's worth it right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So when you when you do this, do that whole thing, so you just set one day, one whole day, and you're like, okay, I've got my... Cheetos, or if you're thinking healthier, I've got my broccoli, you know, and I've got my, you know, my tea, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to get this done, I'm going to close the close the curtains, no calls, you know, is that how you do it? Do you make it a, do you make it a... Sometimes. I'm trying to think Sometimes. of the word like Sometimes. a... Like, like, oh. like, is it my editing day? Well, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm a uh, freelancer, I work mainly from home, so I have a lot of time frankly. <laughs> and I'm able to kind of like fit in a couple hours here, a couple hours there. There will certainly be times when I'm just like, just put away eight hours or I have to because deadline, you know, there, yeah. you know, that I will just, you know, nail through it. But I try and get a couple hours each day. I, I just, I don't want to burn out on it. So I'm really careful not to back in myself too much, not to push it off too much, yeah. you know, so I don't get tired of doing it because that would make me sad. And I have a lot, I have it, I have, arcs for about six or seven seasons that's what i expected to pace out to so it'd be a shame not to tell the whole story yeah that's true so then that brings up another question then so you you know barring any bad circumstances or anything like that you go eight seasons you tell your whole story do you hold the candle and you keep going if you find something that you want to keep going with or do you say you know what this is the finality of it i'm done with that and then do you quit and be done, or do you move on and do another thing? Well, stories need to end. I am a very firm believer in that. Stories cannot continue forever, or they inevitably die. And I won't let that happen. So the de- it will definitely end at some point. After that, uh, I will definitely do another one. I'm hooked. I will do it. I've, I, I already have five ideas for other things I want to do it probably won't be a dungeon and dragons podcast um i I wouldn't like do another one within the same world because uh i'll I'll honestly probably lose interest at that point i would like (laughs) to write something new so but i have a couple different ideas uh, for other genres that i would definitely like to play in perfect well i think i've exhausted all the questions that i have but uh before i let you go um, is there any other things you'd like to promote, your Twitter, any other ways they can get the website, uh, anything else? Well, they should definitely go to our website, godsfall.com. We have tons of notes and all the episodes and maps and all the other custom content we've made. And one of the one of the things we're working on now is a God's Fall world book. A lot of people have asked if we'd put something like that out so they can play 
in our world. It'll have all of our maps, all of our notes, all the major NPCs, and it'll be written so people can just jump in and play with us, including all the power trees, because every god has a superpower. We call them (laughs) divinities. So there'll be 36 power trees, and those divinities will just be laid on top of whatever character you're playing. So you could be a thief plus they have the ability to teleport, be a fighter, and have the ability to heal, and it's got all those uh, powers laid out. Nice. Perfect. If I ever get it done. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I'll mention a couple other things to pimp you up, too. You you also have a patron account, Mm -hmm. so go, you know, give them money, because, of course, just like anything, nothing is free. You know, give a little bit here, give a little bit there so they can keep going, keep the lights on. You also are selling Godsfall t-shirts. That's always a good thing. Yep, you're wearing one right now. Yep, yep, I knew it. I knew it. That's awesome. I have one that I had that I made for myself that I've got locked up somewhere. And every once in a while I'll wear it just to, you know, make myself feel better. But uh, it's probably not as good as that one, that's for sure. And then, you know, look out for the World Book when it comes out. That sounds phenomenal. So Awesome. All right, well... Thank you, Aram, for coming on. It's been a pleasure. And um, again, if anybody hasn't listened to this podcast, you love D&D, you got to go to it. You got to listen to it. It's phenomenal. There's, you know, the characters are great. The story is fun. They cuss just like they do, just like we do on our podcast. Um, yes, we do. It has Battle Bards music. You know, you know, we've, you know, pimped the Battle Bards label, and they're all fantastic people there, and they need your support too. So. I mean, everything just kind of coming together. So thank you very much for coming on, talking to us. It was a, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Perfect. Because I cannot curse. No, you can that. you can curse your heart's content. Okay, okay, fair enough. Uh, the the reason if you, if you hadn't figured it out yet, the MFG cast means motherfucking games cast. I assumed as much. I just always like to ask. You yeah, know I mean? no, that's fine. A lot yeah. a lot of a lot of people have no clue. They're like, yeah. um, you know, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, and I have to ask that question. I'm like, okay, is your is yours PG? Because right. <laughs> otherwise, I can't tell you. Because when we first started this, you know, I was just like, well. We cuss all the time, except for Mike. Mike, when we started, it was three of us, and now it's two. But, you know, Mike wasn't the one to cuss. And I'm like, well, I don't want to, like, limit what we're going to say, you know, because it's it's stupid. You know, why why do that, you know? Yeah, we, uh, I considered cutting them out initially, but the amount of time I already put into it with that extra, it just, it was not feasible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You you do enough editing in the first place, so you don't. I really fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of unpaid editing. I'll tell oh, you yeah. that. Oh yeah, yeah. And we're and we're gonna talk about that. I'm gonna yeah. make that a point.